think it's something about scheduling that's so jarring. It's scary. <laughs> I literally mm -hmm. spent the whole time journaling and asking myself questions and really getting deeper and unraveling things. I had to go through the process of what are the things that I want to hold on to that I grew up with? And what are things that I've been holding on to growing up that I don't want anymore? One of my friends, and she turned around so brightly, she said, Jada, you don't throw stuff at people. You don't do that. And her expressing it in that manner made me realize, wow, that is wrong. <laughs> and, and then I have to think, well, what is it? Why don't I want it? Who did it come from? Where did I get it? What experience oh. caused it? And That's how deep. It's, it's very deep and, but you have to get to that point and you have to say, so where did I get this from? Who was it that I interacted with? Yeah. Okay. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. Why is there not an answer? Why is there not an answer there? Need, I feel like there needs to be an answer. It doesn't make sense to just have more questions. Why would I keep asking questions when I know there's not going to be a solution? Because there's not a problem. What do you mean there's not a problem? Oh, like, yes, <laughs> that's like out there, but it's like, I'm an artist, so I draw. Yeah, um, no, just so asking like... someone, can I draw you is completely different from saying like, I like your hair. Can I draw you like this? Like, okay, okay. Anyway, um, oh, uh, welcome, welcome back <laughs> to Creating a Village. I'm your host, Millie, here to help nurture the village in you. And today, once again, we have back with us the wolf. <laughs> the wolf is in the, Uncle Wolf is in the building room. Yes. So for people who may not know who you are, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, I think I can. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll try. Um, <laughs> greetings, everybody. Uh, my name is Anthony J. The Wolf Hunter. You can call me Anthony. You can call me Wolf. I am a future father and future husband. I'm a firstborn son. I am a beloved older brother. And I'm a private investor, filmmaker, and a finance graduate from Morehouse College. I should stop including the Morehouse College thing in there, but it, it gets me connections with people. So mm -hmm. I use it. I use it. No, I when I introduce myself, because at Howard, we were taught to have like Howard intros. So it'd mm -hmm. be your name, where you're from, um, your classification and your major. Mm -hmm. And so graduating, I would still kind of try to do that. But I was like, wait, it's not completely relevant now especially now that i'm like a year out it's like okay i can say i went to howard but do i really need to add that on there um right yeah it's definitely something to get out of um dang i had a question not sure you're mocking me okay <laughs> actually i was covering my mouth oh okay sorry um where did the wolf come from that's a very long story. And this is a podcast, so I guess we have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's actually hilarious. I don't know if, if I've ever told the, the wolf story on the on a podcast before. Well, first time for everything. 
so the short story my mom would say is that a wolf has always just been my spirit animal. Um, the long story is when I was really little, I was very much so into Power Rangers. Mm. And um, one day I was watching one of the, the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movies, you know, the, the Power Rangers from like the 90s or the 80s or whatever generation decade <laughs> that was. And there was a wolf ranger. And this wolf ranger was like majestic. Like they were like the silver gray power ranger. And he was in like space and he came in and he showed up. Was it he or she? I do not remember. Um, they, uh, this individual, this, this wolf power ranger showed up and showed out. Like they were just indestructible, invincible. And, um, um they were also they also like served like by themselves they were also like like the the the, the characterized as a lone wolf and mm -hmm. growing up i'd always felt alone uh, and i actually talked about this in therapy yesterday um growing up i i generally always felt alone did your phone die no but okay was i oh it's on low power power three is someone calling me someone's calling me oh um <laughs> keep talking this is great. This is how authentic this podcast is. This is very real. All yeah. Uh, okay. Well, while you deal with that, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna keep going. Um, yeah. So I, I resonated very much so with this idea of a lone wolf when I was a kid, and mm. um, every time like Power Rangers would show up, like Jungle Fury they had a wolf ranger and that wolf ranger was purple. And my mom's favorite color was purple. So I already liked the ranger because they were purple. And then on top of that, they were the wolf and they were the, they were the teacher. He was the strongest one out of all of them. So I was like, dang, this is, and then Power Rangers SPD. Uh, SPD. I was, yeah, SPD. Oh, they were, the, they were the, the space, they were the space police department. Um, and the, the, the chief, the chief of the SPD was a wolf. It was like a space wolf. Um, and instead of having like fur, like his, his like hair and was like, like, like porcupine quills or whatever. I can't even remember, but he, even he had his own power ranger transformation. And so like wolves were always at the forefront with Power Rangers for me. And I'd always wanted to be a Power Ranger. And um, cause it's just, they flip around, they do gymnastics. So Power Rangers got me into gymnastics. Well, Power Rangers and Spider-Man got me into gymnastics. Um, and then I'm sitting here, I'm an athlete. As a kid, I was playing basketball, uh, playing football uh, and baseball. So I was like, I have to be the fastest. I have to be the strongest. I have to be able to evade. I have to be the most agile and I can flip and I can, you know, I can do everything. And um, um, so, yeah, so, and then I would, I would do research. I really liked biology as a kid. And so I would study um, tiger anatomy and I would study shark anatomy and I would study wolf anatomy and I would study crocodiles and I would study all of these different creatures and organisms. And I studied natural disasters and I studied physics. That's why I was trying to melt a rock in the microwave. Uh, like we talked about on the last episode where you had me. And um, so I, I just like doing research and I ended up doing research on wolves and wolf packs. And I did research on um, um, like the lone wolf and, and actually the lone wolf is actually a, a misnomer because 
it's not that they're a lonely wolf. It's not that they're just by themselves. They're a part of a pack, but they're like a six man. They stay on the mm -hmm. perimeter. They stay on the periphery to make sure that if they see danger approaching, they'll, they'll signal the pack. And if the pack needs support, then they can come up from behind or they can come up from somewhere else and support the group. Um, and so I realized uh, in college and at high school that the lone wolf, no, yeah, in high school, the lone wolf was actually the six man. And on my basketball team, I actually played the six man. Um, and the lone wolf is there for support and serving others. And um, fast forward to middle school, eighth grade, my friend, Chris, Chris Eisenberg, he goes by Chris Lewis, uh, professionally, he was in, um, the, the boy band next town down. If you know of next town down, my boy, Chris is in there. So I made my first song with him rapping and he was like, well, what name are you putting on the track? And he was, I was like, oh, Jay Hunter, the wolf. And so That's if you a go long on, rap name. If you well, there are people who have there are people who have long long names, and so I was like, I know it's long, but I want Jay Hunter and I want the Wolf, and um, so that was it. And so if you go on SoundCloud, you can find Jay Hunter the Wolf and find that song that I made with Chris, I think, um, and I've made other songs under that same moniker. Uh, but oh, wow. my, so freshman year uh, playing basketball, my basketball team found my SoundCloud. And obviously, as you just said, Jay Hunter the Wolf is very long. Well, some of the some of my team members started teasing me and calling me Wolf. And so mm -hmm. at first, it started off as like teasing, like it was a mm -hmm. joke, like they were making fun of me. Then, I mean, I was I was one of the best on the team. I was I was I'm not the best shooter. I'm not the best handler, but I play really hard defense. I get the rebounds. I steal the ball, and I play above the rim. And so oh, soon after like this joke is being made about me, now it's like, oh no, that's the wolf. And I, oh, well, I went from JV and we got moved up to varsity. And so then three freshmen came into varsity and suddenly we started winning some games. And um, um, people later in the season were like, who is this wolf guy? And so I would actually <laughs> hear that people were asking about me. And, oh, wow. and, um, and they were asking about Wolf. And so, yeah, I started going by Wolf playing basketball in high school. Uh, but it started long ago with me wanting to be a superhero, super powered Power Ranger. <laughs> that is actually really cool. And it actually really fits with your name. Like it goes so well, Jay Hunter, the Wolf. It, it flows really well. Oh yeah. People, so when I'm in Africa, they'll say, why are you hunting wolves? Cause I'll say, I'll say Anthony J Hunter, the wolf. I mean, Anthony J Hunter, I mean, Anthony J the wolf hunter. And so uh, like, there's like a very, very micro pause that I put between the wolf and hunter. Mm -hmm. But then, so when I'm overseas, they're like, why do you hunt wolves? And I'm like, I don't hunt wolves. I'm the wolf and the wolf is a hunter. Ah, uh, yeah. period. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's really that's really cool. I have a question. How tall are you? I'm five eleven. So when I dunked for the first time, I was five seven. Oh, you got hops. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that guy.
<laughs> Elon, that's, that it's guy. so funny. I played I played center when I was five seven. I played center and I played forward. Because no, that's I, what I was asking because you said you play above the rim. So I'm like, yeah. how tall is he? Because not you didn't look that tall. You're 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 my height. So that's yeah, we're the same <laughs> but, height. Yeah, I was, so that's, I was like, like Spud Webb. I was like Spud Webb. Like I was a shorter guy, but I could still win the dunk contest. Ah, uh, I don't know who that is, but I know what a dunk <laughs> contest is. So. <laughs> okay yes that was a really good introduction i really like that (laughs) now we're gonna get into the episode um today the therapy session for me so ask away i'm handing it over to my Mm co-host oh i love it is it official are we officially oh wow okay let me send you this heart mug (laughs) (laughs) no um i know i i asked you I asked you, we checked in before the, that first episode that we did. We should, mm-hmm. like, this is another day. Cut that. Um, it's cut, yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me mark it. Cut. Okay. If you have if you have the guts to edit this whole thing, something like that out, I, I commend you because I don't have the patience for it. No, that's the beauty with Riverside. They give you a transcript and you can look for certain words and then you can just edit that portion out. Beautiful. Because I, I certainly have not been editing like crazy. I used to do that when I first started and it was too much. It was too much. <laughs> like, I, I thank God for AI now because huh, I don't know how people used to do it. Wow. Editors, you are amazing at your job and you are valued. Thank you for Very your hard much work. So. Very much so. It wouldn't happen without you guys. Lupita actually, when she got her Oscar, yeah, when she got her, mm-hmm. when she got her Oscar, she she attributed that to the to the editors of Twelve Years a Slave. Yes. No. I okay. No. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just kind this of is- getting into learning about production and what goes into it. There's this podcast called the Editing Podcast. I love them. They basically, they talk about different productions. Sometimes they'll have editors from certain movies or like YouTube channels come on and they'll talk about things that are really popular and like how they did those cuts about scoring and how it affects things. And just so being able to see what all the things that go into editing and how it's so crucial to the emotion that the audience feels to your engagement. It's so cool and you don't even realize how crucial like good sound effects are to really just making a project like is beautiful mm-hmm. anyway yes okay. no, yeah, without, without good sound a, a good a solid movie with terrible like solid visuals with terrible audio is unbearable viewers mm-hmm. would rather watch a silent film than to listen to than to sit through a movie with bad audio and they yes. would, if the audio was good, they would sit through a bad movie. Yes. Yes. But okay. <laughs> last time, last time we spoke, you said you talked about how you were you were running around, and um, it sounds like it, it. It sounded like you you need help working on your time management skills and um, kind of prioritizing. Uh, so. <laughs> Can I can I ask you like where did you where did you learn your your planning habits from? Who did you learn them from? Did I ever learn how to plan? 
I don't think so. Um, so no one, uh, <laughs> to answer your question, hmm. like even thinking back, something I realized after maybe my sophomore year of high school, I realized I didn't know how to study. Uh, and I, and I bring that up because with studying, there's kind of the doing homework, but then outside of doing homework, you make some type of plan or something and you, you study. But as I was going through the rest of high school and then as I got to college, I realized I really don't know how to plan and sit down and do something and abide by that. Mm -hmm. I just have things that people tell me to go to and I go to them. And I, like, try to remember to go to them. Yes. So I don't think anyone has ever really taught me how to plan. And the, yeah, no. Mm -mm. Do you, you don't know anybody else who kind of functions in a similar way? Not, like, intentional. Uh, I, maybe, maybe my dad. But my dad plans really well. Well, no. He plans for trips well. Mm. Everything else. We just be running around. Yeah. I, no, nothing's coming to mind. No one is coming to mind. Well, it kind of sounds like it's your dad. I mean, he, he Probably. just came to mind and you said, well, you know, he does this thing good, but then any other time when it comes to everyday life, right? Because if we're talking about consistency, everyday life is the most consistent, but also mm. consistently changing thing. If you constantly see changes, if you constantly see flying by the seat of your pants, then that's that's what I'm, you'll uh, emulate. Pause, pause, and I'm pause. not saying that that's how your dad operates. I'm just no, saying. No, no, no. What was what was that example? What did you say? What was the phrase? Flying by the seat. Flying by the seat of your pants. What does that mean? Yeah. So like that's a phrase that I've heard over the course of my life. And it's kind of like. I like to I like to think about it as like like a magic carpet where it's like, you know, you're it's basically like you're sitting down, but like you're sitting down just on your pants. Like you're never actually on your you're never actually sitting. You're always standing. So even in moments where you're resting, you're still going somewhere because obviously oh. you're not in, you're not in a state of rest. Like you're okay. sitting, you're sitting on your pants and you're wearing your pants. So basically you're always on the go. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that I was like, whoa, what? What does that mean? Should we Got should you. we look that up? Should we look up like the origin of fly by the seat of your pants? Yes, we so, should. Fly by the seat of your pants means to rely on instinct rather than logic or knowledge. Oh, I like your definition better. Yeah, I just came up with that on the fly. <laughs> I just that one I just fits the scenario more. But it's, I mean, but intuition, right? Even intuition in itself is like, well, I have to do this. This is what came to mind. Mm. This is where we go. So I can yeah. understand, I can understand their definition, but I can, I can, I can kind of see that when you bring up your dad, it's like, well, kind of sounds like he's the one that you've been emulating. No, because I'll say this, my dad has taught me like going places with my dad. My dad will say, let's go to the store. And then we go 10 other places that I didn't sign up to go. That taught me to respect people's time. So I feel like he did not teach me. <laughs> I would not like to emulate him at all. Um, yes. 
I'll say my mom now. I don't remember what my mom was doing before. Uh, but my mom now, she has she's really good at scheduling or abiding by a schedule for like her day. Cause she'll be like, Oh, I'm going on a walk at this time, does morning we yeah. Okay. Oh no 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 no. No, please you, talk. Hey, this is right. If we if we're calling this a therapy session, then mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and listen and not interrupt. Um <sighs> because you just you just taught us two very important things actually. And one thing is with your dad and one thing is with your mom. So you did learn how to schedule. You did learn how to study, but it wasn't in the way that you think is very beneficial to yourself or very effective. So you might have, you might, you might not have learned how to do something. You might not have, have you might not have gotten the wealth of knowledge around how mm-hmm. to do that thing better. But you did learn one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And so signing up to go to the grocery store and going to 10 different places, it taught you that you didn't want to do it. But when people don't have a model to follow and they want to do something different, they typically fall onto the model that they were exposed to. I do. Like, I that just, wow. Because I do do that. Like, when I say I really have a, a problem with scheduling things, not that I don't go to the doctor. I don't. But when I need to, it's like, ew, I have to schedule this thing. I think it's something about scheduling that's so jarring. It's scary. <laughs> right. Oh my because goodness. Because you're not, you're not used to it. I mean, I, yeah, no, I definitely am like, oh, I want to go to the store now. So I'll go now. I don't want to plan that I have to go to the store. Like why, why do I have to plan that? Mm. I don't like that you just made me realize that. Okay. What is what is that phrase that people use? It's like calling, like not calling you out of your name, but like. Um, your full government name or something? Yeah, not, not, it's not, it's not calling you out of your name. It's like, like not you. It, it's basically like a phrase that means, okay, I see that you're analyzing me, but you don't have to. You shouldn't be analyzing me. It's like. I- I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Not Come, uh, well, they, like, they tell say, me, tell you about yourself. Oh, they say, why yes. are you coming for me like that? And it's so like, when I, when I talk to people and I'm reading them, they're like, why are you coming at, why are you coming for yeah. me like this? Like, I'm just, I'm just highlighting a key aspect or a minor aspect of what I see in you. Like, <laughs> yep. That's crazy. I don't know. How does it, how does it feel like when you, when you think about that idea of, okay, you've been learning these things all this time, but maybe you just haven't had the right model and you've spent so much time. I mean, the same thing happens when there's a little boy and he's raised by a single mother or he's raised by a dad that's abusive. Actually, I don't have to, it doesn't even, I don't even have to single it around a single gender. When a child is raised by an abusive parent, typically they say, I don't want to be like that parent, but then Mm -hmm. they only have what they were, what they only have what was modeled for them to, to do. And so when they get into relationships, when they get older and they're in charge of themselves and their reality, they do the same things because they weren't exposed to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, Like that's, that's generally, so if you have an abusive parent and you didn't get exposed to other kind and caring people, you can say all you want. I don't want to be like my parents, but then sometimes you didn't get the coping mechanisms and the the self-management, whatever skills to actually not be abusive or to not manipulate or to not 
put pressure on people or to not whatever you're sitting here basing everything the idea of who you want to be on something that you don't want to be, which means that you haven't explored the other aspects of what that thing could be. Mm. So how does, how does it, how does it make you feel like coming to that, that kind of realization, like, huh, maybe, maybe I was learning this all this time, but it just hasn't been like how I wanted it to be. Um, I've definitely come to that realization before most recently too, because I had this instant, oh, I feel like I'm going to be talking about my dad a lot, but so something, my dad is a large man and he just naturally has a lot of strength. And if we're in like a setting, maybe like you can't talk, he'll, he'll tap you to get your attention. But his tap is more like a, like a, you know, like a real jolt. And so I will express to him, Hey, don't don't tap me because I don't like that. And I get scared very easily. Like someone will just be walking around the corner. I'll be like, oh, because I'm just like in my own world a lot of the times. And so it's very jarring for me. But recently, I thought I would never do that. Recently, not recently, but I was at the store with my sister and I needed her to do something for me. And I had tapped her in my head but the way she like jolted forward and turned around and looked at me, I was like, oh, it clicked in my head that I was my dad right then and there. And I was like, that's really crazy. But now I'm super aware of it. So I know not to do it. And to your point of the having this viewpoint of, oh, this isn't what I want to do, but this is the only viewpoint I have. It's just making me want to get around people who know how to schedule who know how to interact with people physically or verbally, you know, um, just getting into those spaces that I want to be in. And I think that's just what the podcast in general has helped me start doing. I'm meeting a lot of people that are in spaces that I want to be in. And I'm really enjoying getting to go in those spaces now and just feel like I'm moving towards the life I want. Cause I definitely knew staying in my room I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go nowhere um so yes moving out of those well moving out of my room and being attractive very good very good moving out of, I mean you are attractive do you mean like attractive like bringing <laughs> like getting people like being like a magnet and bringing people to you or like going out and being like I'm cute <laughs> um I don't wait I don't remember what I just said. You just said, no, 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 you no, no, just no, no, said no. in being attractive, like getting out of your room and being attractive. And I was like, I don't remember saying that. Like, I, <laughs> I, so I wonder, am I, am I hearing things? I think maybe you're I, hearing things. Maybe I'm I feel like things. what I said was getting out of my room and being active. Oh, see, active <laughs> makes more sense because, because yes, because I, because I know you were talking about networking as well. So I know yes. the people, the people who are magnets the people who are like magnets, like they are attractive. Like they are, mm. they, they do have the personality. So I was just trying to get clarity on, on, okay. on that. But yes, yes, getting active. You messed around and you found out in that situation <laughs> with your sister. And now you're messing around and finding out with podcasting. Yes. <sighs> that's so, but that's life for you. Just be, just be coming at you. All types of ways. Yeah. That's so funny. 
I think that's a I think that's another point that we should probably touch on, right? Because you had a self-realizing event. And that self-realizing mm-hmm. event was I'm I'm going to tap my sister to get her attention and then you tapped her just like you feel like your dad is tapping you. And then you had you had that awakening, right? That's the education. Mm-hmm. You just brought out knowledge in yourself. And in that moment you said oh, I recognize that I'm basically projecting what I've already learned over here into this situation. And I wasn't as gentle as I could have been mm-hmm. now that you're self-aware. And it's like, okay, so I'm not going to do it like that anymore. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I just know it's going to be gentler. It's going to be softer. And you, you re- recognize the same thing is that, oh, I'm talking to more people now. I'm sharing my thoughts more, even though I'm in my room. I'm not really that social, but now that I'm getting more social, I should probably get out of my room to meet more people so that I can bring them onto the pot. Like these are self-realizing events. You, you know, if I get outside of my room, I can do this podcasting thing better. And then it's like, oh, you know what? But not only getting out of my room, but going and finding other podcasters and um, on the other aspect of scheduling, oh, talking to people who are highly effective and maybe even efficient or really good schedulers, that will teach me a skill because I'm in proximity with them. Um, but those are all based on self-realizing events, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would like to hear more about when you look at when you look at the life that you've made for yourself, right? Because self-realizing events is is you've just realized yourself. You just noticed something, and now you're doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. What are some What are some other things that you've learned about recently that that have made you feel more more realized? I don't have a recent one in my head right now, but as soon as you said that, uh, this event in my life sticks out so much to me. I wouldn't say that I was an aggressive person. Um, but I, I'd say I'm a person of convenience and I was a little lazy. When I was in middle school uh, and I was, I'm over here and Susie's over here. Okay, I'm gonna switch them. If I wanted to get Susie's attention, I would throw something at her lightly lightly (laughs) but i would like i would toss my pencil and i'd be like hey because i don't like yelling i don't like having to raise my voice okay (laughs) to get her attention and i would do that not often but on occasion one day i threw my pencil at one of my is now like still my friend to this day one of my friends and she turned around so brightly she said jada you don't throw stuff at people. You don't do that. And her expressing it in that manner made me realize, wow, that is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that that could really hurt somebody. I shouldn't do that anymore. And so it that affects how I interact with people now. I don't throw things at people. And now I just walk over to people because I still don't like the whole I prefer not to have to raise my voice to get someone's attention. So I just walk over now or I just don't say anything at all. But yeah, that that was a big one. I feel like a lot of my self-realization moments come from when someone like has a 
a very genuine, like startled reaction. I have another one that I'm not going to share because <laughs> you don't have to share um, anything that you're not comfortable with. Oh yeah, no, but a lot of a lot of my moments kind of come from interacting with people and seeing like, oh, hmm. that just made me think of a lot of the things I was doing was not okay, but their reaction makes me realize, oh, this isn't okay. Or they could have appreciated something. I'd be like, oh, I should do this more often. Yes. See, I was, I was actually, when you, when you started talking about how like you normally learn things when you get a negative reaction from people, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. but let's make this, let's make a spectrum out of this, you know? Um, And I'm glad that you just mentioned the other side is like, oh yeah, when people like something, but, but then but then we have to think, okay, things aren't just good or bad or mm-hmm. positive and negative. There's also like that spectrum in between that teaches us about moderation, how much we can do something versus how much mm-hmm. we can't, right? And so you you got you got basically positive reinforcement every time that you threw something at somebody and they didn't say anything, or they they answered your question, or they mm-hmm. talked to you, they interacted with you. But then you got one negative feedback loop and suddenly it was like okay i'm gonna cut that out and it's you had one person's input and suddenly changed everything right Mm -hmm. and for our business owners we know not every customer's feedback is what we should base our business off of so Mm -hmm. so at the end and, and same thing applies to our personal lives even if one person doesn't okay, let's do this. Even if one person doesn't like what we do, that doesn't mean that what we're doing is wrong. It just means that they had a boundary that we, that we overstepped. And so now it's about measuring it within the spectrum of who can I do this with? Who can I do that with? Who can't I do this with? Who can't I do that with? And so like when you, when you, are exploring the nuances of boundaries. Uh, like what have, what have you found over the years? Like, like how do people generally, cause you, you just described yourself as aggressive, a bit of aggressive. And so is this I something I'm not. that <laughs> continue? Oh, sorry, not aggressive. Oh, maybe yeah. I missed, maybe I misheard you. Cause I thought you said that you growing up, you like, maybe you were just a little aggressive, like with throwing things at people and, and, and then, you just said a second ago that you pushed your sister, but I guess I, I guess I misinterpreted. I was tapping her. I know you were tapping her. Okay. Not your okay. I know you were tapping. Continue I know you were tapping her. I'm just I'm just asking, and maybe okay. So let me refrain. Let me um reframe it then, uh, because you describe yourself as not aggressive. So let's let's first let's first. I would like to hear. How have people described you in the past? Like, how would they describe you? Like, like five words. Like, do you get non-aggressive? Do you get timid? Do you get what do you what? what how do people in your circle describe you? And then I would like to hear how you would describe yourself too. I first want to say that I don't like this question. Like, whenever you get this question, not you specifically, but when a person gets this question like in job interviews or whatever, how would people describe you? I don't know. Um, but I have asked because I, you get the question so often. Um, people describe me as compassionate, uh, nice, 
I don't know. Let me let me try to look in my messages to see. But never has the word aggressive come up like ever. I know that wasn't the point, but I just wouldn't. No, to. yeah, and and this isn't a question for like you don't have to defend yourself. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering like. Because you know the words, the words that people, the words that people use to describe us, it has mm -hmm. an effect on us, right? Words, words, words can have power, and oftentimes, if somebody, the more that somebody says that we are one kind of way, the more that we might internalize that and really start to subscribe to it, you know. Um, and if we don't have any other benchmark to measure how accurate they are or not, then some some things can can fall out of place and when we we lose awareness because we're not exposed to the thing that kind of contradicts what that person mm. has said to us or what they've reinforced to us yes um optimistic <laughs> optimistic uh i think that's it okay oh i've gotten bubbly a lot I like it. So that's, you have from other people, compassionate. And I've got nice, the word light. Optimistic, like, bubbly, like a light. Light. That's beautiful. That definitely fits your personality and your brand. Like oh, even your colors you. with like the pink and the, the oh, yellow, yes. like, like, yeah, I'm here for yeah. it. So then you oh. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I've recently realized that gold is my favorite color or like a yellow tonish gold is my favorite color now. I was just using it to kind of evoke my personality, but I realized it's my favorite color. I really like it for all of my life prior to this. Red was my favorite color. Mm. That's kind of sad. Well, not, not red being my favorite color, but switching, moving on all. I still like it, but yeah. Okay, continue. I'm going to write still likes red. You're taking no. <laughs> I'm going to write still likes red. That's interesting. I wonder how I wonder how the audience is like feeling this conversation right no, now. No, this like, is really, <laughs> it's not weird, but it, it kind of is. It'll be, it'll be meta when you're watching it and you'll be like, so I'm just watching myself talk about myself. I'm now, the one that's supposed to ask the questions here. Oh, no, I, I video journal. So sometimes I'll like look back at my journals and be like, hmm, I can't have grown. Oh, I forgot that was even a thing that I need to do. <laughs> so, yeah. I can understand that. Yeah, I don't do video journaling. I think I might do audio journaling sometimes if I'm like driving or if I really don't feel like writing. Like if I mm -hmm. just want to sit in the dark or lay down in the dark and just talk yeah awesome. i feel that well you you said that you don't want to uh say you know how you describe yourself in five words because you don't like oh. the question so you, no, you no, don't no, no, have no, no, to no, no. answer I wasn't if you don't saying, want to i wasn't saying i wasn't going to answer it i'm just saying i'm not a fan of the question i got you uh, how would i describe myself in five <laughs> not you're clicking the pen at me i would describe myself as respectful open-minded, nice, considerate. That's four. In that instance, yes. Cause you also described yourself as non-aggressive earlier, but so you can add another word. Okay. I have two. 
the first one will be mellow or like no mellow that's that's like a line you know yeah just but also excitable i love that i love that i've recently started describing myself as excitable too <laughs> I'm asking, I'm asking you, I'm asking you these, like, cause, cause I mean, generally the, the way that people describe you and the way that you, you would describe yourself pretty much lines up. You feel like that's right. Yeah. For the most part, I'll say I've definitely been having a different perspective. I used to describe myself as optimistic. And the reason I don't use that word anymore is because I think I'm optimistic for other people. But when I'm thinking about me, myself, and I, and any situation pertaining to me, it's like, mm -mm, this ain't going well. <laughs> There's no hope for tomorrow. Well, not that drastic, but yeah, it's like, mm, time to turn in the towel. Let's take a nap. But, oh, wow. Yeah. What's, what's, what's that about? <laughs> what, do you, what do you feel that comes from? uh wanting to go to sleep uh no turning in the towel like like you you have um, you have a lot of hope for other people but then when it comes to putting the hope and the the the, the positive energy in your future and the faith into your future into mm. yourself then it kind of dwindles yes i think this kind of ties into the episode episode 23 i believe where i was talking about my kind of like battle with procrastination and productivity um i've realized i've been battling with the whole notion of okay if i try really hard and i don't succeed then that sucks and that would be awful and boo but if i don't try hard and then i also happen not to succeed that's okay, because I didn't try. So I think that's kind of where it comes. It comes from, like, schooling, basically. Mm. I know. You know, like, with the gifted programs and all that stuff. Oh, you have to be smart. Or not even you have to be. We recognize that you have some form of smartness, talent, whatever. So we're expecting you to be able to accomplish certain things. And we want you to try your hardest. And then you don't accomplish these things. And it's not backlash, but it's kind of like, oh, you should be able to accomplish this thing. Um, so then you don't try or you mm. like do the bare minimum. And yes. So they set a high standard for you, a high bar. And when you, when it becomes- Are you sure you didn't major in psychology? I've been studying human psychology my entire life. I didn't need to go to school for it. I don't, I just, the thing that, I, the thing that I'm weak, my weak place, my weak point is, um, the terminology and mm. like references. So like, I, I know what I'm talking about, but then it's like, uh, I was like, well, cite your sources, you know? No, I can't, I can't do that because I don't, I don't like reading about psychology. I'd rather just study people. Mm. But, but I mean, you described it yourself. Like that wasn't me. That was, <laughs> that, that was you. You said, you quite literally said, you know, when I try hard and I don't succeed, boo. When I don't try, 
hard and I don't succeed. Well, okay. I didn't really try that hard anyway. You know, I didn't set high expectations and I didn't get high expectations and I'm not really that disappointed. But then you're saying that you were conditioned in school uh, through your gifted program and they were basically putting pressure on you. Like we see that you are gifted. We're holding you to a high standard. I was and not in the gifted program. Oh, not gifted program. Okay. No. Maybe I, I tested for it and I did not get in. I got you. Ah, that's what it is. So you, you tested for it. And, and this is, this is something that we've seen in actually this one I have looked into. We've seen, we've seen this in studies over the last 20 years where gifted programs basically alienate students who aren't considered gifted. Mm. And so. And even, and even if, let's say, even if you do test, like many, many students don't test, uh, but when you do test and they don't get accepted, right. For a child to say that they're not gifted or because the, because of the nomenclature, it kind of builds this dichotomy, either you're gifted or you're not get, gifted. It mm -hmm. doesn't put it on a spectrum where it's like, you know, these kids actually specialize in this area and you specialize in this area. It says these kids are gifted. And when you test and you fail, that means that you're not gifted. And so it, it, it sets a pedestal still. It says, this is the standard, or this is where we're going to put our uh, importance and our priority and our resources, and you don't qualify to get that. And when you don't qualify to get that, it's discouraging. It's a negative feedback loop and says, well, you know what? Okay, I'm not gifted, so I will act like people who are not gifted, and I will do the bare minimum or the standard, I will get by. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's generally, that's generally how it worked. And that, that's how you put it. That was all you. <laughs> yes. Okay. I agree with that statement. That's so interesting. Um, I want to, I want to switch into a discussion because the therapy session thing, I'm just like, I'm not your therapist. <laughs> Like, I don't even, I don't even have the credentials to do this thing, you know? Oh, <laughs> it's but not going to change overnight. It's not going to change. Exactly. Like these are things that the whole thing about therapy, especially when you're destigmatizing it is you have to go through a process of educating people and you have to think we went through K through 12, that's 13 years. And if you went to college, that's another four. And if you went to a college program that's longer or shorter, then that's maybe two, that's four, that's six, that's eight, that's 12, or that's the rest of your life, depending on how you set that. But regardless, however old you are, you have that many years of conditioning. You have that many years of positive or negative reinforcement. You have that many years of training and wiring that one conversation may not and most likely is not the only thing that's going to get you to get to a different place and change the behaviors and so on and so forth like like that's something that i stole being in these entrepreneurial communities being with david chance hearing donnie wiggins it's like you have 20 years of experience here and you did it like this so it doesn't make sense to you to do it a different way or because you have so much experience and you, you, you're so confident in this, that when this shows up, you discredit it because it's not as tested. So the mm. same thing, same thing goes for our lives. When it comes to dating, if you grew up in a single parent household, oftentimes being in a relationship with someone is foreign because you don't know how 
that one person should treat the other, how you should treat the other person, how that person should treat you. And realistically, there's no one way that that should look, but it helps to have a model when you grow up. And so growing up without the model, right? Like we talked about before, growing up without the model makes you off, makes an individual oftentimes reflect their ideas around it and reflect what they've already been exposed to rather than what they would like to show. Yeah. You want to know what's really funny about that? What's up? Uh, about kind of like, I guess, marriage life or whatever. My thought process of how my married life would be is like, oh, I'm in, okay, background on me now. I don't leave my room. I will probably leave my room to go eat some food. And even then, I tend to like listen out to see if anyone's downstairs so I don't have to talk to people. Um, but I'm working on that. And I do go downstairs when there are people now. Anyway, but the thought process I had for like my married life is all we're interacting, me and my husband, we're interacting all the time. We're in the kitchen. We're in the living room. We're we're together. And of course, I still have like my me time. He has his me time. Mm -hmm. But that is like our life together. And then when we have kids, I'm interacting with the kids. We're playing outside. I'm going to their school, all this stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Recently, I've been, I realized I can't just drastically change from who I am right now into this future ideal Jada in marriage. Because right now, the thought of people in my space sometimes, like, it irks me. But as I move towards it, as I make strides to actually go downstairs, go outside to interact with people, it's not as bad as how it was in my head or whatever. And so I definitely have to move move towards that. But I was realizing um, some how I kind of describe my family to my friends or people I meet. I say like, oh, it's like living with roommates. We're all in our respective places in the house and we'll occasionally come out and interact with each other. But that's not how I want um, like my family life, my immediate family life to be in the future. But as you were just saying, you kind of reenact what you already know, even if you know you don't want that. But that's how it ends up being. So it definitely is something that you have to really become aware of. Like self-awareness. It's such a thing that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. You're right. You're very, <laughs> you're very right. I mean, I have the same instances. I, I think I mentioned it before. Like I have a five bedroom to myself now. Mm -hmm. And I've had, I've been, I've had access to this since I got into college and I would come here on the weekends. But normally when I came here, I was bringing somebody here. Like I was bringing a friend here. I was bringing somebody. We had a date. I was cooking mm -hmm. and then we'd eat dinner together and watch a movie. But I'm used to bringing people here and I'm used to having people here. And I had a breakup um, my sophomore year of college and she was here so often that I would hear her laughing in the hall and I would see her in the mirror that we used to stand in together. And so like my brain is used to these things and it became habit to do those things while we were together. It's like, you're in the mm -hmm. mirror. All right. I'm going to stand over you behind you in the mirror and put my, my chin on your head. You know, Oh, like these are short these are... girls are so lucky. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> but it's, it's like, these are things that I trained myself 
to do. That's what a person trains themselves to do in a relationship. And then when it's gone, you can see it because it became habit to you. Like it's a, it's a muscle you flex when you see that mirror. Mm. And um, I was just listening to the song hallucinations by division earlier. And I was like, yeah, cause that's what it's like. It's like you, you sit here when, when it's gone, when things, when something changes, suddenly you're seeing the things that you were trained to do or experience and feel like when I started coming here, I would hear my mom calling me from downstairs. There's no downstairs in this house, but I would hear <laughs> my mom calling me, AJ. I grew up going by AJ, by the way. My family knows me as AJ. AJ. As, like she needs my help like every hour. Like, and so I'm like, oh, like my mom is calling me. And it's like, wait, no, I'm in this house by myself. Um, like there are just there are just these these itches or these 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 um the muscle memory. Mm. Right. And and it's it's reflexive. Like we don't even have to think about it to go and enact it or, or go and do it, which is which is the importance of awareness. A reflex is something that we can that that flexes involuntarily but we can still flex our muscles and we can still train our muscles and once we gain awareness we gain one one more vote for control towards our self-mastery mm. what do you think about what do you think about that like do you have do you have because i know i know that you're talking about like oh yeah i'm not I'm not the kind of person that gets out of my room much and i i know that in order to become and I think it's interesting that you said the ideal version of yourself, the ideal version is your married self with children. I love that because <laughs> that's how I introduce myself, right? I am a future husband and a future father. Like I, I, I own that. I, I'm like, look, you don't even need to know this information. It's not even here yet. And I'm still going to tell you I'm owning it. And I like that you, I like that you said that I, as an ideal. So getting to your ideal self requires you to get out of the house more and, what is your experience? Uh, not erasing, but rewiring yourself. What is the experience rewiring yourself and your history, rewiring your history? Because sometimes you have to go and think about your history and mm. internalize things differently to motivate yourself to push to something different. So what's that experience been like for you? Um, it's been really interesting. It's more so um acknowledging that i need a change of perspective i i would say a lot of my changes happen because i'm thinking about other people and how they've either interacted with other people or how they interact with me um and vice versa and so with my reflections and that's one of the reasons i do video journals because I often have a lot of thoughts about a situation I've been in or an interaction I had. And I'll be talking, or you know how in your head you could be thinking, oh, I should have responded this way, or even someone did something. And you're thinking, I'm trying to like give an example without giving an example. So, okay, let's just say someone it's okay. <laughs> it's hard. Anyway, you'll be thinking in your head about how someone could respond to you based off based off of past responses or just how they could interact with you if you do something. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that keeps me in my room 
I have this perception of someone and I'm assuming that they're going to react this way. And so after acknowledging that part, because I had it with me knowing I need to go downstairs more. Back to my dad. Okay. My dad is a very loving person. Um, he talks about business a lot. And I don't want to talk about business. So sometimes if I go downstairs, he'll ask me, oh, how is this and this going? How's that going? Did you hear? But I don't want to have those conversations. Mm. And so I get into an assumptive state that every time I go downstairs, my dad is going to ask me a question. Or my dad is going to like, if I bring something in from the store, majority of the time, my dad will look over my shoulder and like, oh, what did you bring? I don't like that. So I get into this assumptive state about what he's going to do if I so much as just walk into a room. And it's not going to be like that every single time. And I have to realize that and internalize that and just think, just change my perspective my perception of this person even though things have been in accordance with my thoughts it's not going to be that way every single time what was your question again i lost sight of it no you were you were you were answering it um i was i asked you how has rewiring yourself been for you that's a that's everything like everything that contributes to that journey and what you're saying mm. is seeing a change in perspective and looking at yourself and doing the meta doing the um meta thought mm -hmm. and saying okay i'm thinking about my thinking right now when i'm thinking about my dad doing certain things this is what i'm thinking and it's like well no but it doesn't always have to be like this and i have to recognize that it's not always going to be like this and so you have to you, you're going yeah you're going back mm -hmm. and forth and saying okay reaction interpretation let me think about my interpretation and go deeper into it okay you know i have to remind myself you know that's a part of your journey so you were answering the question yeah and and going back to that part specifically um not only altering my perception of others but of myself and my thoughts i don't mm. remember i've heard it somewhere that people are saying your first immediate thought or reaction that you have to something mo majority of the time isn't your thought as a person is what you've been trained to think or re how or trained how to react and so i'm just always going to talk about video journaling with video journaling and sitting and talking to the camera basically well majority of the time it's me talking to god but it's like okay this is how this was making me feel this is how i reacted to this and i'm kind of examining or i'll have like a realization like oh, I reacted this way because of this time that this happened and that's not okay. So it's really just a self-reflection, mm -hmm. constantly just realizing that I do things and putting it in a category of, okay, I want to, I like that I did this thing or I didn't like that I do this thing or I feel no type of way, like no reaction comes from whatever just happened. Yes. I love it. No. And I, I love that you're, I love that you're bringing this up because that actually is a very common study is, is the things that we think and assume. And I, I was just on a podcast yesterday and we talked about this, <laughs> the things that we judge and assume is often a reflection of who we are 
and not mm. the people that we're judging. And at the same time, the judgments that and the judgments and assumptions that we form are often taught to us, not cultivated and created by us, but we are a store and a bank for all mm. of the all of the interactions that we've had. And ultimately that manifests itself when we're reacting and interacting with other people in the world. And so we have to ask ourselves, if this person is a certain way and we're reacting like this, why am I reacting that way? Who did I get that from? And there's a workshop um, that uh, some do. I do this with people that I talk to and it's like, look, uh, and I, I did this with myself. Remember I told you when I was in Mozambique, I mean, when I was in Africa this last trip, I literally mm-hmm. spent the whole time journaling and asking myself questions and really getting deeper and unraveling things. I had to go through the process of what are the things that I want to hold on to that I grew up with? And what are things that I've been holding on to growing up that I don't want anymore? Mm-hmm. And and then I have to think, well, what is it? Why don't I want it? Who did it come from? Where did I get it? Mm-hmm. What experience oh. caused it? And that sounds deep. It's, it's very deep. And But you have to get to that point and you have to say, so where did I get this from? Who was it that I interacted with? Because that's uncovering sometimes childhood trauma. I'm not going to mm-hmm. center this whole conversation around trauma, but I will say it's it's an experience that sometimes when you're uncovering why you are the way that you are, you might find trauma. And then it's like, well, now I have to address this. And sometimes if you know that person, you're close to that person, you love that person, sometimes you got to write them a letter and say, this is an experience that I had as a kid. This is how it. This is how it happened. This is how I interpreted it. And this is how it's manifesting today. And I would like to hear your opinion on it, or this is what I think about this. And you either send it to them or don't send it to them. Put it in a fire if you want. But as long as you've come to the grips that I've communicated, I know how to communicate about this. And now I can let it go. And I can properly address it. Like it's important to go back and 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 see those things and learn about those things, uncover those things, unravel those things and say, how am I going to be now? Yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I have a question. <laughs> What's up? Is my camera freezing on your side? Um, or am I delayed? Do you think? You are delayed now. Yeah. Okay. No, I saw my camera pause. And anyway, but yes, that resonated with me, what you just said. <laughs> See, now all I'm going to do is pay attention to the fact that this is lagging. No, don't do that. I think that's so funny. Am I lagging on your end too? No, not at all. No, you're very smooth. Oh, now you can do the neck thing. Did Chris Brown do that first? I don't remember. T Pain. T Pain did this. Oh. And even and even before T Pain. Someone probably did. Michael I know Michael Jackson was doing stuff like that. And there are people before even Michael Jackson who were doing that probably. Yeah. Okay. That's so funny. Yeah, we just got on this. We just got on this tangent. No, I, I, I really, I really do. I really do like that because, because this is, this is. Oh yeah, I, I was pointing that out because I wanted to go back to the audience, right, and talk to the mm. audience because this is one of those moments where we have to really look at ourselves and say, why, or ask ourselves, why am I the way that I am? And that's that's the broad question. The mm. broad, the more the more personalized questions become, why am I so angry? 
or why am I so ornery? And ornery means like, like argumentative. Like, why do I have to argue? Why do I have to be right? Why do I have to feel so small when I hear other people's opinions? Why do I have to want to isolate myself? Why do I, you know, and uh-huh. so it starts with asking that question first and then saying, who else in my life is like this? If it's nobody else, then it's like, okay, cool. What thoughts go through my head when, I, when I'm reacting? Is it you're not good enough? Is it you're amazing? Is it, is it, wow, you can do anything. And then the feeling that you can do anything comes to you as like anxiety or fear. Like, oh, I can't live up to the standards of being able to do anything. Then it's like, well, where did that come from? And there is like this train and you, the more, the more that you ask yourself, the goal is not to come up with an answer. Mm, The goal is to ask questions and to go deeper into it. So it's like, why was it this? Why was it this? Why was it this? Why was it this? Why was it all of these? You know, the goal isn't to find an answer. It's to, it's to ask questions. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. Why is there not an answer? Why is there not an answer? There need, I feel like there needs to be an answer. It doesn't make sense to just have more questions. Why would I keep asking questions when I know there's not going to be a solution? Because there's not a problem. What do you mean there's not a problem? So, so, and I, I, when I talk to, when I've, being in the mental health field, like for these last four years, I hear things all the time. There's a problem. I feel broken. I am broken. Mm. I'm this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I mean, you, you can still function. You can still do, it's like, you know, you're a person, you're hurt. You might not be broken, but you're hurt. And, there, you you can't just be like it's not like you're just being fixed like it's like oh you're healing you're mending yourself you might be injured you might be wounded broken hmm. when you break a mug could you put it back together the same way that it was before no if you missed if you missed a piece of that mug at the bottom would the mug function to hold in whatever you're drinking still no so like a person, generally speaking, generally speaking, because there are people who have psych- psychotic breaks and, and sometimes something goes out the window or something internally gets damaged or maybe there's a fungus or a virus that affects them in some way that really does make that change where they can't get back to where they were before. But for most mm. people, you can get to where you're looking for in life. And even when you feel hurt, you're hurt, maybe not broken. And so I, I always I always like to push people away from using language like, oh, I'm a problem or what I'm dealing with, like, this is a problem. It's like, well, sometimes problem doesn't have a, like the only solution at that point is to, is to say, acknowledge it is true and keep it moving. And that's not a solution to your problem, but it is a recognition that something is the way that it is. And it's in a, it's, it, you're admitting, okay, this thing is like this and it's out of my control, but what can I do? What can I control to influence the situation so that I can function better? You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's, so it's like, there, there are things that don't, 
really have answers, but there, because there are things that we really don't always have control of, but there are things that we can control that we might want to put more of our energy into. Yes. I understand completely what you're saying to me. <laughs> completely. And I acknowledge what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Using my language against me. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, but that makes sense. And I, I do... I have wanted to stop using the word problem. Like I tried to, but then I just interchanged it with the word issue. And I was like, I don't like that either. But do you have a word that you use for problem or what that is supposed to be representing? Well, I think that, I think that what we're addressing now is like the vagary versus specificity kind of thing. You know, that's why I said before, we have to ask ourselves that question. Mm. What are we dealing with? Why am I dealing with this? It's vague. But if we can say in the instance right now, like if, if in this conversation right now, if you questioning me on what I just said about using the word problem made me feel like I had to be defensive, I have to go and ask myself, why do I feel defensive in this instance? Because maybe it's just this instance and not others. But mm. then if I ask myself, well, have I been defensive in other instances and conversations where somebody was questioning me and my logic? If I was defensive, then also, okay, no, actually it's not, it's not her asking me about defensiveness. It's about the fact that when I'm questions, when I'm questioned, I'm defensive. Um, mm. So, I don't really use problem. I'm just like, what is it that I'm feeling right now? How am I reacting to something right now? That, that word that I capture, that's the word that I investigate on. Why mm -hmm. do I feel like this? It's not a problem. It's a question. And so in a lot of people's... Ah, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that, that answered my question. It's kind of so... The way, the reason why I asked was because when I talk for myself, mm -hmm. I'll say, but the problem with that is, but instead I can say, but the question is, how do you do it this way so that this doesn't happen? Okay. Thank you. Yes. Because now you're, now you're defining, you're asking a question that allows you to find, to define a causality loop. Mm -hmm. And so now you go through the process of, instead of. I've already relegated, I've already decided that this is a problem mm. and it is that. So how can we just get rid of that versus, well, this is a question and questions have multiple answers. Like, like I always, and I love when I say questions have multiple answers, I always go to two plus two because people are like, well, no, two plus two is four. And I'm like, yeah, if you're thinking numerically, but if you think geometrically, it could be a fish. That's why they say two plus two equals fish. Like, because you're thinking I've about it. I've never heard of that before in my life. You've never heard two plus two equals fish? No. Really? Yes. That's so surprising. So like. Two plus I, two equals fish. So like I could do. Rotate them I could something. do a two like this. You oh. see that? Yes. And I can do a two in the reverse way. And I could even draw. Mm. You should stick with, to your day job. With with bubbles. 
and it's a fish. Oh, that's cute. It's ugly. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. No, I mean I can draw a better fish. I was just doing a two two plus two oh, geometric, no, I got you, I got geometric you. fish. I am an artist, by the way. You follow me on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> I remember Whether that. You've looked at up. my page or not. Whether you've looked at my page or not. But I have. But I like to I like to poke I like to poke at people with with that same thing. It's like there are multiple ways to answer questions. Just like it might not it might not make sense all the time to mm-hmm. to get to get to two plus two equals fish. But I could clearly just now draw two one direction and two in a different direction, put them together, and then add extra detail to make them whatever I wanted it to be. Because there are multiple answers to the questions. Yeah. I think a question about myself that I need to answer is why do I like for there to be an answer? <laughs> that's a good question. That it is, is. A, that's a stellar question, actually. Yeah. This made me think of that because <laughs> a lot of the things I'm like, well, what is the answer? That's what I'm always looking for. The answer mm. to the question. So have you heard that conversation about like the process versus the results? Nope. Okay. So like there's this, I don't know how recent people have been talking recently. People have been talking about this, but so there's this idea that there are process oriented people and there are result oriented people. Result oriented Mm. people typically want answers. They want the result. They want the product. They want the sum. They don't want two plus two. They want four. And, um, or they don't want two plus two. They want, they don't want two plus two, uh, four minus zero, six minus two, wait, six minus four. No, two plus two is four. Six minus two. They, they don't want the different ways to get there. They just want, four <laughs> that is me that's me so there there are process oriented people there are people who make formulas and then there are people who take the result or mm-hmm. want the result and there are people who just like somebody that I, and i love I, this is why i love gym heads and this is this is partly why athletes generally um do very well uh, when they become business owners, because they're used to the training, they're used to the consistency, they're used to mm. driving and digging and trying and pushing themselves past. Oh, I can't do it. It's like, no, we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're gonna win. We're gonna succeed. We're gonna push. We're gonna like because they taught tra- they taught themselves how to be consistent. And oftentimes, and this 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 is actually very important for most people when you go through K through twelve. Your schedule is made for you. You go from teacher to teacher to teacher to teacher, or you go from your homeroom to your um, intramural class, and then you go back to your homeroom where you learn Mm. your math and you learn your reading and you learn your history and you learn your songs and you learn your... We have life very structured for us in a K through 12 system that when we leave that system... And I'll say the the kids who perform very well are athletes because those kids have to wake up early. They have to go to school after school. They have to do their homework 
and then do practice and get home and probably finish whatever homework they have before they can go watch TV. But normally they'll be having dinner with their family if that's what they do um, before going to the other fun things. And if they, they have to get things done before they get to their reward at the end of the day. That's generally how kids who are very active and have very structured schedules are. When they get, when they graduate from high school, if they don't go into college, now they're responsible for all of their time and they don't know how to manage their time by themselves unless they made their schedule for themselves beforehand. But even when you enter the workforce, you have to be there from nine to five. Somebody else made your day schedule. You have to be in this place from nine to five. And you accepted that because you accepted the job. You accept it. I have to be here from nine to five. Whether you do your job or not during that nine to five is up to you. And the people who perform the best are the ones who make their schedule and say, this is how I'm going to do these things throughout my day. Most people do not take control of their schedule. They are moved by the people who make the environment for them. And so if you're a kind of person that is a chameleon, you adapt to the environment around you rather than creating the environment around you, then you are more likely to have issues deciding um, where you want to go, how you want to feel, how you're going to solve an issue, how you're going to make your money and where you're going to make your money, who you're going to interact with. You say, I don't have friends right now. Only people I socialize with are my friends, are, are the people at work, and I don't even like them. But you didn't, but you didn't decide, hey, today I'm gonna leave early. I'm gonna go to this place down the street, and I'm just gonna see if I can meet new people in a jazz club because jazz people really are smart, they're really ph philosophical, and these are people that I can get down with. But you know what? Generally, we have to take care of what's going on at home. So even when you leave your nine to five and you go home, now you have to clean and you have to cook and you have to this, that, and the other, but you didn't make time to read. You didn't make time to journal. You didn't make time to video log. You didn't make time to podcast. You didn't make time to learn the next thing that's going to get you to the next step in your, you didn't join a program in your, in your company so that you can get a promotion, but you also didn't do your own personal research so that you can create the next solution for your company and get to a higher, higher level in your company by creating your own, your own job in the company. There are so many, there are so many things that people don't recognize about how cushy being in, being in school where somebody else makes your schedule. And even when you're in the workforce, somebody else is making your schedule. They're defining, they're defining the rules of your life. If you come in and you do your job, you get to stay. If you don't do the job, you don't get to stay. Most people don't get outside of those two things because they don't even, they don't get to, okay, if I come here and I do my job, I can also do this next thing that makes my job better or that makes work better for all of the employees or that makes the company more money or that makes the company save money. I'm just going to do what they told me I can do to keep the job instead of going to the next level and saying, why am I doing this? And what would make this better? Most people don't get to that second step. They just let other people create the rules of their life. I am not a fan of you right now. <laughs> I'm hiding. I'm hiding. Oh, no. Oh, no. You just read me so hard. It That's the phrase. Sense. That's the phrase. You just read me. Oh, yes. No, because <laughs> first off, the irony, I just... 
my friend, she's in New York now because she went to school at NYU and she came down for Thanksgiving and we were hanging out. And our other friend, she was like, oh, what do you guys think will be the next milestone for us? And I was like, you know, life is just so not, it's just so out there. It's just so much open space to do so much. And I, I literally said, I want there to be more structure, like how we had high school and college. I was like, why do they just drop you off in life and there's no structure for afterlife? And then not only that, someone recently, I started volunteering at my church and this lady came up to me. She's like, oh, wow, you're such a chameleon. And she's like, you just can adapt to so many different situations. And you just, you just, that is me. I want, I want the structure. I want someone to tell me what to do, but at the same time, I want the freedom to be able to decide, like, what I want to do. But do I really, though? <laughs> do I really, so, though? Well, you, you touched on something very important here. And I, when I heard this chameleon phrase, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking mm-hmm. about it. There's nothing wrong with being a chameleon because mm-hmm. being adaptable is a good thing. A chameleon chooses where it wants to go and it adapts when it goes there. There's mm-hmm. a difference between there's a difference between somebody picking you up here and putting you over here and you just adapt when they pick you up and you walking to the new environment and adapting. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to be adaptable. It's good to be dynamic. It's good to be flexible because then you can function in multiple arenas but we should try our best to get to the arenas where we can do our best. And if we're not the best there, we should surround ourselves with the people who are doing better so that we can learn from them and grow. That's why they have the uh, big fish, small pond, small fish, big pond kind of thing. Cause it's like, would you rather be a big fish in a small pond and you can eat everything up in there? or you'll be a small fish in a big pond and nobody ever sees you. And it's like, well, I can be a big fish in a small pond, but you know what? I'm big enough to jump into the big, the big pond so I can get even bigger. Cause at some point being in that small pond is going to be restrictive, mm-hmm. but you have to know for yourself, am I ready to get to the bigger waters, take on bigger fish, take on bigger, bigger eats, bigger feats. Let's add F in front of eats feats. <laughs> Can I, am I, am I at the next, am I at the level now where I can get the, the achievement, the goal that I'm looking to, or should I just stay here in this area that's really small, build myself. And then, you know what, it's time for me to venture out. I need to try it. I need to fail some, I need to get some battle scars. I need to, I need to get hurt. I need to push myself to keep going to, to see if I'm like really like to really test myself to get the self-realization. Sometimes you can assume, you can think, I'm not ready, but then you'll never know that you're ready until you're in the situation. Like people are, you're capable of anything until you're, until you've proven that you can't. And if you don't ever try to prove that you can't, (laughs) well, you're not, you're also avoiding proving that you can. Yeah. And so that's why some people say you don't want success. You want what it looks like, but you don't want to do the work to get there. And then once you get that success, 
how will you behave? Because it allows you to become more of who you already are. Are you stint? If you're stingy with money now, you'll be really stingy with money when you're a billionaire. And you will, you will, if you have trust issues now, you will have so many trust issues when you're a billionaire until you work that out. And so it's like, you have to, you have to decide like, am I going to go? Am I going to grow? Am I going to take, am I going to dominate where I am now so that I'm the one that makes the environment or am I going to go to another environment so that I can go and dominate that one? Hmm. And I have to figure it out. I have to be the weakest link first and then I'll grow into a stronger one. You're such a motivational speaker. I, I get it. that so often. <laughs> <laughs> no, but those are, those are really good questions to think about that I want to like use to evaluate my life. Don't be mad at me though. Don't I'm be... not mad at you. At... <laughs> oh. No, thank you <sighs> for bringing these questions that I need to ask myself to my attention because I've started I've started going to places where I know absolutely nothing and I'm happy I'm doing it. But there was definitely a time when I was like, mm, I'm good right here. I'm doing just enough to get by. <sighs> yeah. You're all I need to get by. <laughs> That's to get by. That's <laughs> no, I know the song. I know the song. I know you know the song. You were just like, why is he singing on my podcast? Oh, no. I was thinking about how I was singing a lot on, I don't know if it was on the podcast. I mean, okay. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking, wow, a rapper and a singer. Crazy. Never, I never actually called myself a rapper. It's more of um. No, I'm not I'm a, a story, rapper. I'm a story. I'm not a rapper. <laughs> Boom, bam, bop. <laughs> oh your laugh is so cute look at you please stop <laughs> I, I i laugh like an old man so so don't even don't even don't even worry oh. I laugh. my laugh is is ridiculous mm. that's crazy is that a good stopping point for you and your audience do you feel probably yes the episode is like an hour and 26 minutes is that i say i don't know yeah. um that so. was such a that was such an insightful episode. Um I definitely feel a type of way. I feel a good type of way. I feel like I have some direction. Mm -hmm. mm. How do you feel, audience? Yeah, how do you feel, audience? Put it in the comments. Make sure that wherever you're streaming this, if it's on Spotify, leave a review. Let us know what you learned about yourself. Uh, if you're on YouTube, go in the comment section. Let us know what questions you're asking yourself. Let us know what you learned about yourself. Um, what is it? If they follow you on Instagram, if you put this clip, well, no, you're not going to put this clip on Instagram. Wherever you Why listen, did you say that? Why did you say that? Wherever you, wherever you, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a review and let 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 Spotify or whatever podcasting platform you have know what you've learned and what you've gotten out of this podcast today. Yes. I'm Anthony J, the Wolf Hunter. You can find me on OBT social at Anthony J Wolf. And that's it. Close it out. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Thank you all so much for joining us today. How do you feel about Anthony potentially being a co-host on occasional episodes? Hello. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
man that's ridiculous i am very ridiculous um yes do all the things he said and remember to oh wait ask me a question you're not gonna remember the question ask me what are my closing remarks oh yeah so what are your closing remarks you want me to say it a different way Yes. Hey, close out the show. How are we closing out the show today? What what's the closing remark for our audience today? What are we what what do they what should they take away from from watching this episode? Thank you for that. Sorry. <laughs> I just want the audience to know that self-reflection is important. It really is important to understand yourself and become aware of how you react to things and interact with people and things in life. Um, yes. So I would say if you go through this episode again, go down and write down the questions that Anthony, uh, you know, said and think about them. Okay. Goodbye. Yes. That would be a special job for your users too. Like you could hire somebody to just go through every episode and like, write out the highlights and the, the points that, and then put it in the comment section, but then like they just send it to you and then you put it in your comment section. Or like if, if yes. somebody did like, like a segmenting, like if, if it's on YouTube, you segment the different chapters mm. and they did that for you and then you could just implement it. That would be a good, yeah. that would be a good. No, when you said that, I just realized that's my job <laughs> to go through, like not to go through the episode, but to, compile the stuff, the resources that happened in the episode and put them in the description. So look in the description below for the questions so that you can use them to better self-reflect and go through your life, period. All right. This was I don't appreciate you saying that I should keep my day job. I'm going to draw you right now. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. Because no, you're not going to come for me. I it's, I don't know what to say. Um, yes. You can close out the show. I'm just yes, going to Yes, this you. episode is over. Thank you so much for joining us for part two. And remember to keep creating a village wherever you go. Bye.